Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to the Men of Valor program. Um, glad you're with us today. And uh, as some of you may notice already, I am suffering from a spring-type cold as we're recording this. So We'd like to welcome James Earl Jones to today's show. <laughs> this is CNN. <laughs> that deep, resonating tone today. Yeah, so I apologize for that, but uh, otherwise I'm feeling fine and uh, ready to go. We're Continuing our series on just sex addiction 101, we've talked so far about criteria for the diagnosis of uh, sexual addiction. Last week, we talked about uh, some of the various kind of levels of sexual addiction activity. Today, we're going to talk about the uh, sex addiction cycle. Well, that sounds like a great progression there. Let's uh, move right into that. Well, it is a progression. I always like giving a little history, which is interesting to me, but maybe not to others. I'm not sure, but... uh, uh, the sex addiction cycle, like so many of the things we're talking about in, these, in this series, was uh, first described by uh, Dr. Patrick Carnes uh, in his groundbreaking book at the time, uh, Out of the Shadows. And what it basically talks about is how addicts get stuck in a cycle of behavior uh, from start to finish. And uh, I think it's important as we're recovering to understand all elements of that cycle so that we can be intervening on ourselves uh, and... Uh, designing our recovery program to uh, deal with all aspects of it. You know, I've never said this to you before, but I have always been astounded by this and by God's hand in your journey. And that is the fact, or what are the chances as you crashed and burned that you were brought to the center where the Mm -hmm. pioneer in the field of recovery from sexual addiction, Patrick Carnes, was your personal doctor? Yeah, he was uh, the head of the program that I went to, and uh, uh, he lectured at the uh, inpatient program, and uh, we got to meet him and know him a little bit there. But uh, even more than that, when I went back to work at the hospital, then uh, he was pretty much my direct boss, and uh, <laughs> I worked with him and for him, and uh, you know, we're still good friends to this day. God's plan in your life was just so incredible there that it's, uh, it makes for an amazing fact and an amazing part of your story. That's right, and... We could get uh, sidetracked, Randy, about faith journeys, and it's like there are so many examples like that, that God was in control, God was orchestrating, God's Holy Spirit was uh, a part of it, and uh, yet sometimes as we look to the future, we still get anxious that, uh, you know, maybe we need to be in control and not let God be in control. Right. Well, that was the first time on the treatment unit when I heard this cycle described, and basically uh, the listeners are going to have to kind of visualize uh, this in their head, and I'll, I'll try to describe it in that way. I think a good radio person should be able to create that mental picture. Theater of the mind, Theater Mark. of the mind, yes, exactly. So if you, you know, just think about, first of all, that uh, a lot of the uh, addicts that we deal with have had some kind of, you know, early life experience that was stressful, chaotic, perhaps traumatic. That's kind of at the very top of a piece of paper. That's where some of this uh, early life experience would be. And uh, one uh, step lower than that would be uh, the perception, the feeling of uh, shame that I'm a bad and worthless person. We've talked any number of times on this show that there's a lot about addiction that uh, you know brings uh, uh, addictive activity as a way of medicating 
uh, feelings that we don't like having. And one of the things then, therefore, a sex addict learns early on is that when they get into feelings of shame, guilt, loneliness, anger, anxiety, stress, because of uh, chaos in their upbringing, I say chaos, I'm talking about some things that happened to them, some things that they didn't get, you know, both invasion and neglect. We learn how to cope with that. We learn how to uh, medicate. And then that leads us down to what will uh, appear to be now a circle. And at the top of the circle in the 12 o'clock position would be the word uh, fantasy. We start creating thoughts about uh, sexual experiences that uh, the neurochemistry even of the thought process with the adrenaline and the dopamine is enough to lift us out of the feelings of shame and guilt and so forth. So that's technically where the, uh, the sexual addiction cycle per se starts. It starts with a thought. And so many people have said uh, over the centuries that everything we do always starts with a thought. So one of the things we're going to have to intervene on ourselves with is uh, the thought life that uh, we have. We'll get back to all of this perhaps in the second half of the show in terms of how we attack each stage of the cycle. But here in the first part, I just want to describe them. So it starts with a thought. And some of these thoughts can be, you know, even at early ages, sexual experiences awaken for some of our people because they were engaged in sexual activity. That's part of maybe their sexual abuse experiences. But nevertheless, they have certain kinds of sexual thoughts and the neurochemistry of that they learn uh, is like an antidepressant. And uh, that then gets the whole thing rolling. So the behavior that is going to come later, it starts with a thought. So I'm always fond of quotes, and uh, Michelangelo was one of the original ones that said, every painting, every sculpture uh, started with an image of that. And uh, my favorite one was he said, I saw the statue in the, in, inside the stone, and I carved until I set it free. Uh, once we get started with the thought, you know, we're going to be in a place of pursuing the thought, in, you know, into behavior. And that leads to the next stop on the addiction cycle, and that's at the three o'clock position on the circle, and that's called ritual. And rituals are any of the, uh, I think the word preparation uh, is uh, one of the best words to describe it. It's getting ready to, uh, to act out. Uh, some of the uh, rituals can be short and long. If we uh, started with uh, just the simplest rituals, like uh, a masturbation ritual, I know one of mine was that uh, I would wait for Debbie to go to bed, and when I was pretty sure or sure that she was asleep, then I would uh, get out of bed and I would uh, go downstairs. I would look at uh, pornography, whether it was on uh, a VCR tape back in those days or, you know, magazine form, because I am old uh, and I do remember that. And uh, then I would, you know, then I would act out and that would be a matter of masturbation. So technically the pornography, even though it's sinful looking at it in and of itself and in a way is acting out, it was also a part of the ritual that led me into the masturbation, which was really the acting out that I was after. Some of the guys who uh, get into kinky type uh uh, behaviors. I remember a guy talking to me that his ritual was uh, all day long and it required certain paraphernalia. And I'm not going to get into the specifics of this, but the paraphernalia that he needed was only at one specialty sex shop in New York City. And so he lived up in Connecticut. So he would start out in the morning, he would drive down to New York City, find a place to park, go to this shop, buy what he needed, get his car back, drive back to Connecticut. Then finally, uh, by the time all of this was accomplished, it was the evening. He would set up uh, all of this stuff in the way he needed it to be. And then finally, that would lead him 
uh, into an act of, uh, of masturbation. So it was like a 24-hour ritual that he got involved with, and it involved special things. So it can be like that. And then the other uh, major category is the guys that have sexual encounters or have affairs. You know, there's always going to be a ritual uh, for how they find the, the women, or in some of our cases, find the men. You know, in these days, you know, some of that ritual can be online. You know, you go on one of the various connecting uh, websites. And, you know, it's possible, I've always said, and, you know, I have guys that have done it, you know, that start out in a given afternoon and they go on one of these websites and they're acting out with the partner by that evening. So, you know, uh, that can be a, uh, a short ritual, really, but it does involve, you know, the Internet and searching and emailing or texting and, you know, maybe going to a different location to, to meet this person and that kind of thing. The longer-term affairs sometimes start with uh, conversations in the most common of places. Uh, and eventually, you know, part of my ritual in this regard was uh, I would, uh, you know, eventually introduce some kind of sexual humor. And, you know, if the woman didn't uh, react negatively to that, uh, of course, I was always very careful in whom I selected to try this out on. And that was part of my ritual. Uh, then that would go back and forth. That would lead to coffee. That would lead to lunch. That would lead eventually after perhaps months in fact, uh, to an actual sexual experience. So every addict needs to evaluate. And, and the way to do that is to back up from your acting out experience and simply ask yourself the question, how did I get there? What were the steps that uh, allowed me to get there? And that's the, that's the ritual. Now, obviously here again, we're gonna have to intervene in some of these ritual behaviors if we're gonna stop the acting out behaviors. Well, Mark, at this point, why don't we take our break right now, and when we come back, we'll keep making our, uh, our, our travel around this circle. You're listening to Dr. Mark Laser, and this is the Men of Valor program. I'll buy you a diamond ring, my friend, if that makes you feel all right. I'll get you anything, my friend, if it makes you feel all right. Because I don't care too much for money, but money can buy me love. I'll give you all I've got to give if you say you love me too. Do you struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops, led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life, and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at faithfulandtrue.com to learn more. That's faithfulandtrue.com. Time now for the Trigger of the Week. Trigger of the Week, Randy. Uh, as we uh, often do, we decided to take a uh, 
poll, not a poll really, but a, a, a brief question of uh, our, uh, our lunchtime crew, uh, which is mainly the core four of us, you and uh, Sherry and Debbie and I. And uh, Debbie was saying she's been hearing a lot lately uh, from some of the wives about uh, what she called originally half-truths, I think she said, and that uh, this is, again, a, a wife's trigger that the husband may be telling some things that are true, uh, but he's leaving something out. Well, this is valuable information for the men out there to to hear and to understand because they may, if they stop and think about it, they may have a life currently that's filled with half-truths. That's right. So they're, they're kind of getting by, skimming by, uh, by telling something that is true, but they're not telling the whole story. And Deb is fond of quoting the, uh, the oath that you take when you are uh, sworn in to give testimony. I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But the, the word whole truth, I think, is what we're after here. So, uh, And when a wife is not getting the whole truth, even though the addict may be still telling truth, it's like he's still in somewhat the process of denial or lying. So that's And important. the wife, because of what she's been through, has got... Um, a heightened sense of when she's not hearing the whole truth. Right. She can identify a partial truth when she hears it. Right, exactly. And that's kind of part of that Holy Spirit-driven intuition that a lot of the wives have. So, all right, well, anyway, that's our trigger of the week, and uh, we're reaching out to some of our wives who I know listen, and also, as you said, uh, uh, the men need to hear this. I mean, you need to be truth-tellers, and you need to be talking about the whole truth. So, Mark, let's return to today's show in which we are in part three of the basics of sex addiction, and you were taking us through the cycle. Right, and we were at the three o'clock position with rituals, and now we'll go to the six o'clock position, which is the acting out behavior itself. So, we really don't need to go into any more detail about that. You know, could be everything from uh, looking at pornography and masturbating to having sexual encounters and that kind of thing. Uh, in show two of this series, we talked about all the various different kinds of acting out behavior. And then, you know, once the acting out is achieved and, you know, we have the uh, uh, temporary, very temporary high of doing that, we very quickly remember that, you know, we had been committed to not doing this. Uh, we, we said to ourselves we were going to stop. We did it again. And then that leads to the last stop on the uh, cycle, which is uh, at the nine o'clock position. Uh, and that is called despair. And uh, when I was back working with Dr. Kearns at the hospital, he did a survey of uh, a number of the alumni, a thousand or more of our alumni from the hospital program, and uh, he discovered that uh, in that population, the despair place had been so severe that 71% of the addicts had actually at some point or another contemplated uh, suicide. And then there was a you know, certain very small percentage of that group that had actually done something made an attempt or actually, uh, you know, been, I don't think successful is the right word there, but it actually, you know, uh, completed it and killed themselves. I don't mean to make this more dramatic than it is. I think the average addict out there recognizes that, that place of uh, depression, despair, I'm a bad and worthless person, I did it again, and that shame, kind of shame all that, you know, that it just increases shame. And uh, now the addict is stuck again. If you'll remember where we started at the very top of this page, that they're now feeling the same shame, the same guilt, the same you know loneliness and you know despair, and so what they uh, remember is that uh, sexual fantasy, sexual preoccupation, uh, produces the neurochemistry that takes them out of that. So then they go back to the top of the cycle uh, and get back into uh, their thought life, and then the whole cycle just keeps. Uh, 
going around and around and around and around. One thing I would uh, add to this is that when you get to that stage of despair, there are some of us historically who had other ways of medicating despair. 50% of sex addicts back in that early study were shown to also be alcoholics. I think I struggled a lot in those days, in those early days, with workaholism. So, you know, we can have other addictions that lead us into another cycle that are kind of joined at the hip by that feeling of despair that we're seeking to uh, medicate. But for today, we're just talking about, you know, the, the cycle of sex addiction where you go back to the top. So uh, now, you know, when we get into recovery, and obviously our number one goal is to uh, get sober, which, you know, remember is at the bottom of uh, the sexual addiction cycle. It's at the six o'clock position. So I think what a lot of guys forget, and I, you know, one of the things I wanted to emphasize today is that we need to start at the top, you know, and we need to start with our thought life. And this is the way to uh, prevent uh, unwanted acting out uh, behavior. And uh, as we've talked about on this show before, uh, intervening in that thought life is, I think, uh, uh, a very powerful thing. And if you just look at how we set it up, you know, it's like the preoccupation is the way we're medicating, you know, feelings of shame and guilt and so forth. And so really the way to attack it is to get the men talking about what their shame is, what their loneliness is, all that kind of thing, and uh, find Christ-like solutions to, you know, those feelings. And uh, we believe that, you know, every sexual thought that, that guys have had is really a longing of their soul for something that is, uh, you know, uh, uh, more rewarding, more fulfilling, uh, more connecting, and uh, is, a, is a better answer to all of those emotions. So, Again, uh, to reiterate, I'm saying that really the way to, to intervene is to take the fantasy seriously and to ask the person what their soul really longs for and to find uh, healthy ways of getting those soul desires met. And that very uh, act is well described in your Taking Every Thoughts Captive book. That's right. I mean, uh, we, yeah. you didn't set me up for this promo, yeah. but, but as you're describing it, it's just an, another resource. You know, we have so many listeners out there, and when they're hearing great direction and guidance from you like this, mm-hmm. we want them to know that there are some uh, wonderful resources that, that we have to offer that's going to aid them in doing exactly what you just described. Yeah, well, one of the simple ways to look at it is that if... Uh, you're looking at this cycle and saying, I just need to stop that thought. You know, there have been all kinds of strategies out there to, you know, get the thoughts out of your life. I'm saying something that is different, and that is, rather than getting the thought out, why not understand what the thought is trying to tell you about what your soul really longs for? So, yeah, again, the book goes into that in greater detail. We've had other shows where we've talked about this, but that is the way I believe that we intervene in that stage of the sexual addiction cycle. So you can forget about wearing a rubber band on your wrist and snapping yourself. Yeah, that is right. That is one of the stupidest ideas. <laughs> uh, I love hearing you talk. Yeah. When you talk to men and, and, and you talk about that uh, suggested therapy by others or whatever, yeah. it's, uh, it, it gets quite a humorous response from the listeners because it's kind of a ludicrous idea. Well, you know, it, I've always said that... Uh, if you want to associate pain with your sexual uh, life, then you know do that strategy. I, I just don't think it's 
I, I, I know it doesn't work, number one, and number two, it, it's just counterproductive in a way, I think. So anyway, rather than get myself into ongoing trouble there, uh, now, so we go back to uh, the ritual uh, phase, and we know that that's all about preparation. And so it's one of the easy ways to look at it is that just as we need to stop the sexual acting out, uh, we also need to stop the ritual behaviors. And uh, like, for example, in the examples I gave from my own, these days, you know, Debbie and I work really hard at uh, going to bed together. And uh, that's been important to her, you know, ever since I was honest about, you know, what I had been doing all those years. And uh, if I, for some reason, have to get out of bed, if she's awake, I'll tell her or the next morning I'll tell her that I did and this is what was going on. So uh, that's a boundary and, and one of the ways to uh, work against uh, the rituals is to have healthy boundaries about ritual behaviors. Obviously looking at porn, uh, which leads to uh, you know masturbation or other things, uh, we need to stop looking at that. We need to get our you know ourselves with uh, accountability and blocking software on our computers and smartphones and all of that. Uh, the affair rituals, it could be simply, you know, uh, agreeing with yourself. You're no longer going to have private conversations with women. Uh, you're at church and somebody comes up to you uh, uh, or you're out in public or you're at the office. I mean, there's so many office affairs that go on. Uh, you know, a lot of our business guys, I mean, they really have to have really, really strong boundaries about not traveling with females, not going out to lunch, not going out for after, after work uh, uh, cocktails, you know, stuff like that. It, when you know your rituals, it should be really pretty obvious about the things that you need to stop doing. Stop getting in your car and driving from Connecticut to New York. Well, that's true. Stop getting in your car without uh, someplace positive that you need to go, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Well, you know, it, in truth, a lot of guys, uh, the guys that go to massage parlors and stuff like that, you know, they would, in fact, get in their cars and just drive around, cruise around, talk themselves into... Uh, going into some of these places, and they may be cruising around looking for a new one that shows up in some of these strip malls and that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, your accountability group really needs to help you know uh, the healthy boundaries that you need to have in place that will prevent you from getting into those ritual behaviors, okay? Now, the acting out stuff, uh, you know, that's where we're really saying today that uh, you attack the acting out by attacking the, the thought life and the ritual life. I mean, if you're doing a great job in those first two areas, then there will be no acting out. So uh, that is the way to uh, stop that. And then we finally get to the despair place. And uh, that's where I think we, uh, we here at a, uh, at a Christian counseling center and a Christian ministry and program, I mean, we're really trying to, to bring the truth of God's love and God's forgiveness and God's grace. And uh, we're also uh, bringing that, uh, you know, God has such a much higher opinion of them than they do. And uh, I believe that uh, another way to attack uh, despair is to uh, have a community and to confess. I mean, I think uh, one of the things we believe in as Christians is that uh, if we have acted out, uh, we should very quickly get into a confession, uh, which brings us into reconciliation uh, with God. So that's a key point, Mark, because so many of the men that turn to us, uh, when they first contact us, they have that desperation, that feeling that, will I be forgiven? Right. Mm -hmm. And you do this wonderful job of convincing the men that there is no sin, that God is unwilling to forgive you. That's right. 
That is exactly right. You know, and, and uh, so many of the men that call uh, before coming to the Men of Valor workshop, they're carrying that guilt and shame of if you knew all there is to know about me, you right. wouldn't right. like me, you wouldn't accept me. and. Right. And you're able to just break through all of that and set them free from that. It's mm-hmm. just like you're, as you described just now, if you control the thought process and you, and you stop the ritual preparations, mm-hmm. then, then you never even hit the, the six o'clock phase of acting out, right. you know, which is going to really impact the, the devastation and guilt that you feel at, you know, in, in the next phase. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe as we, uh, kind of close today i i've always thought as i look at the cycle that if we're doing this in a christ-centered way there's a new cycle that we create and uh the new cycle starts at the top uh, rather than with uh fantasy it starts with vision and uh vision is always a mental image of uh god's calling in our life what god wants us to do so in other words we're replacing these sexual thoughts with uh uh, god-centered thoughts about uh his call planning and purpose in our life uh, and vision then will, will drive things now around the cycle. Uh, the next thing it will drive, uh, and the, the word ritual is not a bad word uh, because we can have healthy rituals. Uh, and some of those rituals we like to see the men do are matters of spiritual discipline. You know, it's, it's prayer and meditation and, uh, you know, a, attendance at uh, a church and things of that nature. So uh, now we're going to have healthy rituals. Healthy rituals, I think, you know, the healthy vision, God-driven vision, healthy rituals, then leads to, for lack of a better phrase, which I think is actually a good phrase, and that is it will lead to godly behavior. It will lead us to be the men that God calls us to be. And that, rather than giving us a feeling of despair, will give us a sense of joy. And uh, joy leads back to the top because joy always stokes uh, or contributes to having a healthy vision. And if we can get ourselves into that godly cycle, uh, then I think that's a, a wonderful thing. We'll be sober and uh, uh, we'll accomplish so many great things. Well, that makes so much sense. And, and that same result, you're replacing the exhilaration and adrenaline that you used to experience by acting out with a much more positive, godly yeah. uh, way of experiencing exhilaration. That's right. That's great. Yeah. Well, um, we hope that this series that we are enjoying bringing to you on the basics of sex addiction uh, are really striking a chord with you. And uh, you have been listening to Dr. Mark Laser, and we hope that this coming week will be a week for you that is filled with many blessings and great vision. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at FaithfulandTrue.com. That's FaithfulandTrue.com.